But consider spring break. I'm going to redo the Odyssey. That is asking for trouble. Well, <laughs> it's like, here's the thing. If it'll you just don't be a mess weekend. Up, if you don't mess up by opening the bag of winds when you're three feet from your destination and staying on an island of one sorceress for a year and another sorceress for seven, you can honestly make some pretty good time. Like sailing from Ithaca to Troy, it's like, it's like two weeks. It's yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, of all of the people from mythology that you could like emulate, there are few characters <laughs> who you're, the emulation of them would ask for more trouble than Odysseus. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am your host, Blue, and joined, uh, as always, is Red. Wait, no, hold on. I, I missed a couple of words in that sentence. I am your host, Blue, yes. and as always, I am joined by Red. Yep, that's me. There, there we go. Okay, and also we've got uh, Indigo as well. Indigo, say hi. Now that everyone has, has seen you on our special bonus episode. <laughs> Uh, you, you can't hide in the shadows oh, anymore. No, you have pulled me from my dark cave, as many of the commenters noticed, um, in terms of lighting. Uh, <laughs> yes, hello, welcome to the podcast. All right, now now go take five. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you back <laughs> on for the Q and A section. Um, how how are we doing today? Uh, this is basically the end of my my big uh, two week end of the year uh, vacation because I had a bunch of vacation days stored up that mm. I didn't take. So I basically took the last two weeks like kind of off, and this is like my my warm up to getting back on video making for tomorrow. Uh, Red, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Uh, I'm a bit sleepy today, as is my won't. Uh, but that's uh. That's basically normal at this point. That's my that's my constant state of being before sunset. I uh, I binge watched season two of The Mandalorian, which was really fun. Uh, Wait, all of it? All of it. I mean, not in oh. one day, two days. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you texted me the other day about episode two with the spiders, and then the next morning you texted me about episode three, and I just guess in the intervening time you finished it. Yeah, I finished it last <laughs> night. It was really good. Okay. Um, nice, nice. I, uh, I'm excited and wary of where they're going to go from here, because I was like, that was really good. I hope they don't keep looping in more people <laughs> and turn it into another Disney cash cow that sacrifices story integrity to make them a billion more dollars. I don't know, but it was yeah, really good. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's an installment in, in a long running and uh, much beloved franchise, uh, mm. which actually is topical because uh, this past <laughs> uh, couple weeks uh, we had part eight of journey to the west which we discussed a little bit on our our special bonus year in review episode but we yeah. didn't really get into the into the nitty-gritty the deep details so today will be a good day to talk about that Definitely. normally i would also have a video of mine to discuss however i haven't actually put out a video in the past two <laughs> weeks because we last week was our, our like kind of quasi day off where we did the podcast instead so yep um today is just a journey to the west day ah, so beautiful yeah, um, so that uh, went over very well, which uh, was nice. Basically, uh, at for those of you, for the, the like two of you who are listening right now, who are like, "Who's Journey to the West? What's going on?" Uh, by far, our most uh, popular video series, uh, based on the uh, great Chinese classical novel, "The Journey to the West." Basically, the source of eighty um, percent eh, of all anime tropes and a solid sixty-five <laughs> percent of all anime protagonists. Uh, it's really fun, and uh, I started working on it five years ago. I, I checked, and it was like, oh, shit, that's, that's sooner than I thought. Um, with, it was uh, fun that you, you hung a little, little lampshade on it in the video <laughs> itself when you're like, get on my level, Tripitaka. You've done that, to my knowledge, one other time uh, in the, uh, the, the, the Minotaur video where you referenced the Icarus video, oh, which yeah. was like three or four years old. And for me, I was like, wait. What? Yeah. No, but but yet. Well, at the time, I was like, the Icarus video can't be three or four years old. That's that's impossible. But with Journey to the West, it feels like I've been doing it forever. So I was yeah. like, in the book, I was like, oh, seven or eight years? Hmm, that sounds about right. And then I checked, and I was like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm speedier. But yeah, um, basically, I started off just covering the um, essentially the the prologue to the Journey to the West. Journey to the West is overall about the uh, actual journey to the West. Uh, the uh, main good guy five-man band gets assembled, and then it's just an episodic series where they get into trouble on their way from point A to point B. It is a very, very simple story structure, which is why it is really good. 
Uh, so when I started out, I was like, hey, you know, I, I remember there's like this nifty prologue uh, just about like the backstory of Sun Wukong, the uh, most iconic character in that book. He does kind of outshine the others. It's a bit sad. It's supposed to be like an ensemble cast like thing. But practically speaking, he ends up taking top billing most of the time. And at the time, I wasn't sure I was going to make a series because I was like, I can do one episode about this guy. But if I do like the whole thing, it's going to take me a really long time. And I don't know if I'm up to that. And then after I did it, I was like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> what else am I going to be doing for the next decade and a half? So, um, this, I've got time. I've got time, yeah. So uh, basically, it's a couple more episodes. You know, introduce the gang, get them together, uh, start them on their journey. Then at one point, I was like, uh, now I'm going to stop doing everything that's happening in the books because uh, summarizing that is going to take me way too long. So I'm going to start skipping around a little bit, you know, skipping over redundant adventures because let's be real, a lot of these episodes are of the format, oh no, Tripitak has been kidnapped again. And yeah. if there's not something like interesting happening, I might skip over. Uh, and this is the uh, the eighth video in the Journey to the West series. It's the, uh, I guess, seventh regular adventure or... Maybe maybe fifth regular adventure. I, I genuinely don't remember because the gap between these videos is so long because they take me yeah. a really long time. Which which obviously, you know, it it, it, it begs the uh, the joke of when journey to the West uh, among our audience, which which speaks to the fact that it is a very popular and beloved show. But no, absolutely. Uh, for any of you out there uh, wondering when the next one is coming, always eventually we're not just going to dump our most popular series, uh, yeah. but they take time. And that's the thing is, right, you pour so much love and effort into the these videos every single frame has like almost full color it's mm. so much effects it's so well done and they're just longer than the usual ones they they take a, a good amount of time in the way that you know in some videos it's it's line art on white backgrounds and you know some splash panels but with journey to the west everything is a splash panel so oh, yeah. it, it's it's a true uh a, a full graphic novel within uh, the video <laughs> itself so yeah uh, i can imagine they are uh <laughs> quite labor intensive they are they're they're denser than the average video basically they yeah. um they take me obviously i have the book so just reading through that isn't that hard and when i read through it i, I take notes on the events and then eventually i turn that into a script and i punch that up a little bit i record it and then after that the work begins because it's yeah. like at that point the summary is like the chill part it's like the thing i do on a like a long weekend where i'm like oh, i could probably hammer that out and then drawing it is like a labor of well, earlier on, it took me straight up months. I, I've gotten a little bit faster mm -hmm. and a little bit better at just like sitting down and powering through large chunks of it. So I, I can sometimes make as much as like a minute of progress visually uh, in one sitting. You know, it doesn't sound like much, but it's it's pretty <laughs> significant. The thing with Journey to the West is there's a lot of characters uh, and a lot of backgrounds, which is kind of important to set the scene. Now, a lot of the myths I talk about, like, it doesn't really matter where the characters are. It's like, oh, it's going to deal with this guy. We're going to be out and about or fighting a monster yeah. somewhere. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. But like, you know, the, the visuals of Journey to the West are so striking. I, I want to kind of capture that, which means almost every panel has a background and backgrounds take a while. You know, it's, it's, it's good. I, I'm glad that people really like them because I really like making them. Uh, and, but they do take a hot second. Yeah. As, as far as like deciding which ones to cover, I remember when you were scripting this one out, um, earlier in the year, last year, mm. uh, <laughs> Uh, where you were talking about like sections of the story that you were like, oh, you know, this thing is really interesting. This section is is kind of and eh, not really interesting. Um, this section yeah, has got some good stuff. And I remember that you, I think I recall that you assembled the like kind of a two parter almost with with the first story and then the second larger uh, mm. part of the video um, because there was like like paired demon shapeshifters. Um, I uh, think is is like what of. the general theme was. Well, yeah. Um... Sometimes there's a theme uh, between adventures. Uh, for mm -hmm. instance, I the, the Bull Demon King uh, has been referenced a couple times. He's Red Boy's father. He's going to show up again, and I believe so is his wife, Princess Iron Fan. I, I think that's the layout. I haven't gotten to there in my reread, so don't quote me on that. But so like there is kind of a through line, but sometimes it's just a thematic thing. Like, oh, this guy was just some animal that became a demon because whatever. Mm -hmm. This one was like a fallen celestial spirit. And they do learn from previous adventures. So like Monkey's like, okay, this might be another celestial spirit. Let's check the roster like with that star guy and his <laughs> wife. See if that's the same thing. When I was reading through it, I, uh, I read the goldfish thing and I was like, I cannot skip over this story 
It's a, <laughs> the bad guy's a goldfish. That's amazing. So I was like, okay, I can't skip this, but it's also quite short. Uh, when I wrote out the script, I was like, this is only two pages. Two pages for me translates into about four or five minutes of video. So I was like, okay, that's if I put out a Journey to the West video that's four minutes long, I'm going to get crucified. <laughs> so didn't want to do that. And then I was like, okay, but I don't know if the next part is going to be too long because like the the Jade Ring story is a bit longer than not average, but like it, a lot happens, albeit a lot of it is all right. We tried throwing this at him and oh, it didn't work. Oh, I tried throwing this at him, and, oh, it didn't work. And I, you know, I didn't want to take this into like DBZ fight territory where we're like forty yeah. episodes in, and it's like I'd say this planet only has three and a half <laughs> more minutes before it explodes. Like none of that, please. Um, so I really wanted to do the goldfish story, but I really also wanted to uh, not put out a short video. But I also didn't want to put out a half hour video and give myself like an additional six months of work. So um, fortunately, the uh, Jade Ring story ended up compressing fairly well into about four pages of script, I think, which meant I could talk about the goldfish and the the uh, the green buffalo, which is uh, green buffalo. I don't know why the the translation I use is mostly quite good, but green buffalo bothers me because like azure one-horned bison or something is probably more accurate because the, the word for green and the word for azure is like the same in this version. I, I don't know. That, that's a nitpick. <laughs> Part of the problem is I had to re, like redo his visual design as I read through it because I was like, oh yeah, it's buffalo. I'll give him horns. But then it was like, wait, single horned is in his name, but it's never brought up. But it's like, water buffalo don't have one horn. What's this thing going at? And then it's pretty clear that it's like, it's not, a, it's not that he's a water buffalo. It's that they needed to put in a bovine-like creature, so they did that. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Part of me's kind of frustrated. It's like, oh, single-horned rhinoceros king was secretly the green bison. And it's like, is he a bison or a rhinoceros? Tell me. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. That That's yeah. my pet peeve with that translation. Otherwise, totally fine. But that part, I was like, oh, tell me what animal I should be basing his design off of, please. But yeah, fortunately, it ended up working out pretty well. And, uh... The thematic connection of escaped pets of celestial beings was kind of fun. Ended up producing a bit of a through line. Yeah, overall, I think it went pretty well. It was fun. I also thought it was it was humorous in the middle that Monkey just takes a, a quick jaunt over to Lao Tzu and to Buddha. It's like, don't yeah. tell Trivataka it's this easy. Well, that's the thing. Like, the, the number one plot hole with Journey to the West is that Monkey can go anywhere he wants. Uh, he, uh, as the embodiment of the mind, he has pretty much all the power he needs. He can instantly jump to the Thunderclap Monastery and the metaphorical enlightenment goalposts and call it a day. But the problem is Tripitaka needs to get there. And it's like, oh, well, Monkey's super strong. He could carry him. Yeah. If the story were just the story, that would be how it worked. Um, yeah. But it's an allegory, so... That's not how it works. And, you you know, if you if you want to, like, come up with an explanation, um, Pigsy at one point says that, like, oh, yeah, we can fly, but trying to carry a mortal, like, they may as well be a mountain. They're too heavy for us to carry when we fly. Uh, okay. And that might just be Pigsy, because he is kind of a weak sauce in the in the Celestialist <laughs> department. But it, it, it is pretty confirmed that, like, when Monkey carries Tripitaka, it's always, like, a big deal. Or it's, like, short distances. So maybe, maybe that is some kind of limitation. But practically speaking... Monkey cannot just carry Tripitaka to the Thunderclap Monastery because Tripitaka has to make the journey and mm. uh, refine himself and overcome these demons, or rather Monkey needs to overcome them for him. And then when he reaches the monastery, he will be enlightened. Uh, and we, yeah. we will get there eventually, I swear. Uh, there's like a yeah. whole thing about like, okay, the journey there is really, really hard. But once you get there, the journey back, well, you've already done the hard part. The journey back may as well be a single step. And it's like, oh, okay, neat. Um, yeah. It, so. it, it has some parallels, um, loose parallels to uh, Dante's Inferno being another mm. metaphorical journey, you know, inwardly, but, you know, projected onto a, a, a physical journey through a place. Um, yep. And it is a similar case of like, you can go all the way through hell, purgatory and heaven. And then once you're once you're done, you can you can go home. It's easy, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's getting there. That's tough. And obviously, just because Virgil can basically like, you know, instant teleport up to the top of the mountain in purgatory doesn't mean that that Dante can't. And He's, it's the, the process of going through it that makes the, the journey, you know, have any meaning. And it's, it's, yep. it's why you took it in the first place. It's, I mean, it's obviously, the, you know, the, the, uh, the aphorism is like, it's not about the journey, it's the destination. But in this case, specifically being an allegory for enlightenment, there's no, there's no skip. You, you have to go through the entire process. Um, I, I wait, isn't the aphorism, it is about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> like, 
It's not Stopping about the show. what the. It's about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> I was just about to say that I feel like I may have just been like going into a like a rambling uh, tangent because I mm-hmm. I don't know I I'm losing the thread here. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> okay. I need to, All right. I need to reset. Hold on. Let me just take just take a minute. No worry. Uh, in the meantime, I can talk about Ugh. how uh, in general. Uh, allegorical journeys like that, it you know, you can always come up with a shortcut, but the the message of all of them is that it's it's about the journey and the transformation of the process of the journey, not the destination. There there is actually a later chapter in Journey to the West. Uh, somebody in the comments pointed this out. I'd forgotten it was there. Where uh, they reach the mountain, they find Buddha, and uh, while they're hanging out with him, Monkey casually notices that Buddha's hand is missing a very important piece of graffiti that he left there. And he realizes this is fake, that this isn't the real Buddha, it's a trick. And uh, then they still have a ways to go. And it's like, oh, but that is kind of the point. It's like, you think you're there, but you still got longer to go, but you will get there eventually. And that's, you know, it's all about the metaphor for personal development and growth. And and if you could just jump to the uh, finish line, I mean, that would be neat, but you can't. So in the story, you yeah. can't either. Whew. Okay, sorry. I think like my brain just just stopped working for a second because I <laughs> oh, could not assemble words for a hot minute. Yeah, that's that's. I a just mood. drank some tea. I think I'm okay. Awesome. Uh, but that Take was uh, that was a little whack. Um, mm. That's the thing is you can't just brute force your way to the solution. You have to work through the part of the process where you cannot assemble a sentence to save your life. <laughs> that's all part yep. of the journey to enlightenment. Um, Speaking of journey, one thing that I thought was neat is that the audience has basically been playing along and like mapping out where in the journey they are. And I think I saw a comment saying that they should be based on the description of the land that they're traveling. They should be approximately at the Caspian Sea right about now. I don't know if if there's like any indication of of the real geography that's kind of embedded in the, the book itself or if it's a case of like, yeah, we just describe things and then people like latch onto whatever they want to latch onto. Yeah, uh, do you know if there's I like mean, any more like official chronicles of like, yeah, like you can, you can plot Odysseus's journey. You can plot Aeneas's journey. Is there like a, is there the same kind of thing for the journey to the West? To my knowledge, no, partially because okay. just the, the distances do not line up. Like the, the book will say like, oh, this is 800 miles wide. And it's like, okay, 800 miles from where they started off. All right, they're in the middle of the ocean or whatever. Like it just, (laughs) it does not add up because it's not about the physical journey. And it's like, okay, you cannot actually find like approximately a million horrible demon infested mountains between uh, where they are and where they are going. Um, There are loose geographical connections for, for where things are located, but fundamentally it's like, oh, well, this is the ocean wherein Flower Fruit Mountain is located. And Flower Fruit Mountain is, you know, only a short flight away from uh, Kuan Yin's uh, Lotus Pagoda place, title forgotten and pending, uh, in the Southern <laughs> Sea. And it's like, okay, but like where? Like where? And it's like, what do you mean where? So, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of like, there's like a whole space of questions where if you're asking it, you're you're kind of missing the point of the story. And in that space, okay, it's like, that, okay, but we're on the map. And like, why can't he just pick him up and carry him? And it's just like, guys, guys, suspend your disbelief for God's sake. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is there is no journey to the West IRL road trip that someone could theoretically take. <laughs> well, I mean, you probably could, but it would be a little bit shorter and probably yeah, significantly less eventful. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that's not like a thing that that happens more often. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to do the Odysseus circuit for like my my summer semester abroad. It's just like start from Troy and just bop around the Aegean, go to Ireland for a second uh, <laughs> to go visit the Lystragonians. Or no, it's uh, it's Norway. The Lystragonians are Norway because the Odyssey is literally describing fjords uh, I mean, at that point in the book. To be it's fair. Like, yeah, the, the days last twice as long and the people are so tall. It's like, oh, right. This, okay. this is just Norway. But consider spring. Spring break, I'm going to redo the Odyssey. That is asking for trouble. Well, <laughs> like, here's the thing. If you just don't be a mess weekend. Up, if you don't mess up by opening the bag of winds when you're three feet from your destination and staying on an island of one sorceress for a year and another sorceress for seven, you can honestly make some pretty good time. Like sailing from Ithaca to Troy, it's like, it's like two weeks. It's yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, of all of the people from mythology that you could like emulate. There are few characters who (laughs) the emulation of them would ask for more trouble than Odysseus, the the Olympian's favorite punching bag. (laughs) It's like, let's see, who else could we, oh look, how about we, um, 
How about we do the uh, the Cassandra vacation where we get abducted from our home and brought to Troy? <laughs> and then right, we, need to we start see a horrible a travel disaster. Company that's, <laughs> a travel company that's just like replicating the voyages of famous doomed heroes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that really is the issue. It's It's like you could do it, but if shit goes wrong... You're just going to be kicking yourself the whole time. It's like, why did I think doing the Odyssey 2.0 was going to work out well for me? Uh, Anyway, good stuff. But like, no, I mean, practically speaking, the journey to the West Tour would be a really like scenic hike through some very pretty mountain ranges. And then like one of you gets eaten by a wolf and that's the end. (laughs) That's the price you pay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's about the journey, not the destination or the part where one of us got eaten by a wolf. Come on, guys, live in the moment. Look, you, you, you drew the short straw. You got to stay behind and let the wolf eat you. Yeah, sorry. This makes you the first horse, the one that gets eaten immediately. No. <laughs> Not the dope-ass replacement dragon horse. We'll just find a cooler yeah. version of you down the road and then hang out with that guy. Forget that yeah, he's exactly. not you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so I, uh, overall, uh, a great video uh, mm. this past week, and I, I feel like the uh, uh, reaching trending, obviously, and just the general mm. uh, enthusiasm among our fan base that, that greets every new episode of Journey to the West. I am sure they are uh, patiently uh, looking forward to uh, the next video well, in the it's, series. It's actually interesting because like, this is the only series we do where the enthusiasm grows for subsequent episodes. Like like in our experience, when we do a series of videos where we start with like, oh, we're going to do this, and then uh, we're going to do this part two, or part three pretty regularly like the the viewership drops by like half for the second one uh this is yeah. actually it's not just us yeah, either exactly. like if, if you watch uh, there's a lot of gaming channels where they'll be like episode one we're playing this game and everyone's like whoa and it gets like five million views and then like episode two we're still playing this game it's like 200k and then after that it's like low you know 60k stuff like that and um I don't know, I get, like, people People really like starting things, but that often doesn't mean that they like watching through the whole thing, or at least it's a smaller percentage. Yeah, so I was that's... genuinely, you know, surprised that every time I put out Journey to the West, it's like, so much viewership. It's like, look, guys, really? Yeah, this is episode I... eight. <laughs> I, I know the history videos are fundamentally a different beast from the myth videos. I mm. know that. I've I have come to terms with that. But oh. for me, it's like that's why I I have learned don't number anything. It's like, <laughs> yeah, even if you're doing an eleven part Rome series, it's Roman Republic, Punic Wars, Caesar. It's not Augustus part one, part two, part three. It's, you know, Octavian and Antony versus the assassins. And then the next one is Octavian versus Antony. And then the third one is Augustus is the emperor, but you don't number them. So then someone can just jump in and be like, oh, yeah, let me learn about this. And then, you know, it's, it's yep. Roman Empire and then fall of Rome. And if you don't make it obvious from the start that it is part of the sequence, but then just like gently invite someone to check out the rest <laughs> of the playlist, you can achieve the, which is basically a long way of saying uh, why I don't number my, my videos anymore, even though a lot mm. of them are are like explicitly part of a chronological series like India and, and China and the Byzantines and all that. Well, not numbered, I mean, but still a series. <laughs> it's not just about like not numbering them because when you title them like that, that tells somebody, hey, here's what you can expect going into this. Like if, if they're looking at a video and it's titled Rome Part 3, they're like, oh, it's probably going to be more Rome, but I should probably watch Parts 1 and 2 so I get the context. But if you're like Roman Republic, they're like, oh yeah, that's a thing. I'll watch about this. It's It's... You know, yeah, ex- exactly. It gives them information. It's not just about like going blind. You'll never know what you're going to get. It's like, no, here's what you're going to get. And it's actually more descriptive than being like Rome part three. So, yeah, I think exactly. it's totally fine. And, and anyone who wants the series will know, oh, yes, the fall of Rome. That's probably the last video in the series, mm. <laughs> except plot twist. It wasn't. No. <laughs> yeah. Rome has anyway. been falling for like 2,000 years at this point. It's just That's, a catacly- cataclysmic slide I, down a spiral staircase. Exactly. I saw a meme which was, if you want to blow someone's mind, tell them that the medieval period lasts from the fall of Rome to the fall of Rome. <laughs> I mean, like, you think it's Big over, brain. but it's actually just hit a landing and it's very slowly sliding over the next step, preparing <laughs> yeah, its next it's like, precipitous drop. They tripped, fell, and then grabbed onto the ledge, and they're just slowly sliding down over the course of a thousand years. It's shit, just shit, a, shit, shit. It's an absolute pratfall. It's amazing. Yes. Hit a landing so hard Completely. they change their name, become the Byzantines, fall even harder <laughs> for a while. <laughs> just bonk their head, get amnesia. Who am I? I'm the... Byzantines, yeah. <laughs> Bonk their head again, get up, a nice passerby's like, oh, you're, uh, England. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you should definitely yeah, like you sign over your so rights hard, you to forget me. Latin. <laughs> oh, God. 
Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway. <laughs> another video that we had in the past week was our, our little uh, channel trailer uh, previously on Overly Sarcastic Productions, which was a, yes. a small little montage of sorts, um, just kind of celebrating the uh, the past year, mostly a little bit of, of, of 2019 videos in there, mm. uh, past year of OSP videos, uh, giving like a little opening to anyone who's not familiar with Overly Sarcastic Productions, because those those videos of like, you know, blank out of context or like, you know, OSP being OSP for, you know, two minutes and 58 seconds, like those those things are hilarious. There's so much fun to watch. <laughs> there are more uh, of them than I expected. But now we have an official one. I, I had <laughs> a hard time finding them. I'm always curious to see them because, like, I can watch Brian David Gilbert compilations, like, for the rest of my life because there's so many and they're always so good. But, like, I've had a hard time finding the OSP ones. I know there are a few, but I, I, I haven't seen, like, the extended list of them. Well, I don't know what magical button I pushed, but, like, four of them have popped up in my recommendations in the oh. last, like, couple days. It's like, wait, right. is that a new? Hmm, okay. Well, yeah, it's very cute. Uh, but, yeah, so now we that... kind of have an official little trailer version yeah. cut together by our very own Indigo. Oh, yes, uh, who did who did an amazing job assembling um, uh, hours of footage into yeah. one uh, two-minute trailer. I watched every single video that came out this year. That's how we <laughs> I am the keeper of OSP lore. I have seen every bit every minute of content from 2020. <laughs> I know all. It's beautiful. There's just like Sophia like levitating above a throne with like stars in the background. It's <laughs> like galaxy brain to the extreme. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. That vine with the with the flower going on the cat's head, and then the stars just prophecy is true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think yeah. I think yeah. that's a that's a good enough place to uh, to move along. So we will now transition into the Q and A section of the podcast. Heck yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q and A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We've got a bunch of questions from all of our lovely users over on Ask OS Pod on Discord, link in the description below as always. And of course, this first question comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. The disreputable, disreputable dog asks, for Red, you've mentioned a couple of times that you really like the vocal recording aspect of the job. How did your interest hmm. in voice work develop and what resources were useful to you when you were getting into it? And for Blue, what has helped make voice recording easier? Hmm. That's a really interesting right, question. I think you should go first because I, I will need to oh. <laughs> think on that because right. that is a good question to which I don't know the answer. Right. Um, well, uh, let's see. When when I got first interested, I was in, um, I think it must have been late middle school. Uh, and I was just starting to get into like, that, that, that was kind of during the abridged series Zeitgeist. That was when they were starting to get everywhere. And they were really funny. And I was watching a bunch of them. And, you know, early abridged series doesn't exactly have the most, like, stellar voice acting. But that kind of helped me realize that it was, like, a thing that people were doing. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you watch a cartoon, you do not question why the character sounds like that. You're like, oh, yeah, that's the character's voice. Um, yeah. And then at some point, mm -hmm. you're like, ah, that's a job that somebody has. There's a person in a recording booth saying those words. That's weird. I don't know if I like it because, you know, that, that kind of breaks your uh, your immersion to a certain extent. That awareness can sort of trip you up. That, that's kind of what happened to me, actually. There was a period of about six months where I almost couldn't bear to watch any cartoons because I was just so aware that that was a person in a room <laughs> recording yeah. all of this. It's like all these deep emotional moments. I'm like, that's just a guy <laughs> in a closet <laughs> with a microphone. What does it mean? So, you know, um, well, sorry, I jumped around a bit. I started thinking about this because I was seeing a bridge series and I was like, you know, watching this stuff happen. And then like I was um, I was recounting it to like some of my friends. I was like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, Kakarot, I'm going to destroy you, blah, blah, blah. And then as I was doing it, I was like, wait, I'm doing it. They did it. And now I'm doing it badly, but I am doing it. That's interesting. I guess people can just do that. Do I <laughs> want to do that? <laughs> and uh so, I, you know, the, then whole six months can't watch cartoons for a while. And then eventually I kind of settled back into being able to be like, yes, that is a person in a, in a closet with a microphone saying these deeply emotional things. But <laughs> you know what? I can still recognize that there, there's the skill involved in like the performance. And, and I can sort of recognize that this is both the character saying the thing and a person in a small soundproofed closet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and once I kind of got past that little <laughs> hurdle of like, oh, it's weird, it's weird. Um, 
I just sort of became able to listen for the actual performance and be like, oh, that was really good, or oh, that didn't work so hot, and essentially just started developing a critical ear for it. And I mean, that's a stage in learning any art where you start being able to look at other people having done the art and be able to be like, okay, I think that really worked, and I think maybe that didn't, and I wonder how they did that. Maybe I could do that. Like, yeah. so you can learn from all the stuff around you. Uh, Oh God, there, sorry, I'm losing track of where the question was. Uh, how do I get interested and what resources were helpful? Um, that, that was the other part, right? Um, Indigo? Uh, oh, Indigo's gone. She's oh, fucking no. dead. No! <laughs> but, but yes, that was oh, the Wait, question. can you guys not hear me? Oh no. They, they, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, she's okay. back. Okay, okay. Um, I think you just we, like buffered to hell. Sorry, then. my, um, um, we can I cut moved some of this very out. recently and <laughs> yeah, I moved very recently, and uh, my internet connection has not quite settled down yet. So uh, apologies mm. if this is <laughs> a little rough. But they uh, they asked in the question, you know, um, how did you get interested in voice work, and like what resources are useful to you when you were developing it? Right. Okay. Um, so as for resources, uh, what what I ended up looking into, obviously, uh, I started off essentially just watching a lot of things that had voice acting in them. You know, cartoons. Um, Technically, live action stuff does not have as much voice acting unless there's like full CGI characters, but a surprising amount of ADR is technically voice acting. And sometimes you can really hear yes. when it's not working. Indigo, I believe you can commiserate <laughs> with me on that one. Um, oh, yes. Um, one of the things that I do a lot is fully in ADR. And once you start once you start doing that practically, you can never unhear it when you encounter it in movies and TV. It is It totally ruins mm. viewing things. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's fun. But, uh, what I did, and this was partially because I was already interested in that is I ended up watching like a lot of, um, cartoons and a lot of just anime dubs to kind of get a, a feel for the space as it was. And, uh, experimentally, I, I went back and I watched some like really early anime dubs, like eighties stuff, because I knew that the quality got worse the farther back I went, but I was curious how bad it could get. <laughs> What's and, the floor? Uh, it's, mm, it's interesting. Like a lot of those people were actors who I'd seen like in stuff decades later who were really good. So you're just seeing at the very beginning, like wh what was working and what wasn't and what were they trying and what did they later develop? And I, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and uh, then after that, when I was like, I want to actually learn how to do this rather than just vicariously see other people doing stuff. I, uh, I looked up some resources and basically everyone I found was saying, okay, listen, there's this voice actor, D. Bradley Baker. He's been in everything. And he has a website called I Want to Be a Voice Actor. And it is full of just like tips and tricks and exercises and advice for people. And it is pure gold. Like every voice actor was like, yeah, go to D. Bradley Baker's website. What are you talking about? Why are you, st why are you still standing here listening to me? Go there. <laughs> so it's it's really good. D. Bradley Baker, uh, he, he's been in like everything. He's really good at uh, doing, I guess it's like vocal sound effects. Like he does a lot of sound effects for like, animal characters and like alien characters and stuff like that. But Ooh. also he's just, um, just I, I wanna be absolutely sure uh, that I am right about this before I say it. So give me just one second. Uh, <laughs> but I believe he uh, also, come on. We can drop a link in the show notes. Yes, he's in the Clone Wars. I yeah. believe he is every clone. <laughs> <laughs> and about half the aliens. So, like, if you've watched Star Wars The Clone Wars and you realize that you can tell the clones apart even when you can't, like, necessarily see them, even though they all sound like they're the same guy, that's because D. Bradley Baker is an incredible voice actor. Go check out his website if you are interested in voice acting. He really knows his shit. Um, we will drop a link in the description so below. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Shit. <laughs> Man, you and I have to stop just like mirroring each other because sometimes yesterday it happened that we both responded to something with like the same like string of uh, the same phrase in response to it. Eh, doesn't really matter. Oh, no. Uh, but we our, our, our vocal patterns are, are, are overlapping. <laughs> um, except I have a lot more vocal fry because I am bad at it. So yeah, I, no. so Red is someone who has put a lot of effort and thought and practice into like curating how she does voice work. Hmm. I am not that. <laughs> I am bad at voice work. I can do it, but I am kind of bad at it. So the way that I work around my difficulties with this is that when I'm in the process of writing a script, 
I do a lot of reading it out loud because if mm. I trip on a line in the process of reading it out loud, I will trip on it in the process of recording and then a simple sentence can take 20 minutes. And that is how you make the rest of the process of recording it not fun. So even though like, yeah, I, I, I have what you know I would think is you know an interesting sounding voice and I can intonate in a lot of ways and uh, I can convey a lot of a lot of character in, in how I like give my delivery, my you know, range is not super great in terms of like voice acting capability. I wouldn't be able to like, you know, make clones sound different. I'm, I'm <laughs> nowhere near D. Bradley Laker levels. Nobody is near D. Bradley Baker levels. Uh, He's kind of a I, league of his own. Yeah. <laughs> I am definitely in a much more like, just get it done. I am here to narrate. I am not here to, you know, use my voice to, to weave a whole, you know, mystical worlds to explore. Um, mm. So for me, it's just like, I'm, I'm here to get the voiceover. Uh, I can, you know, I can intonate, I can do my jokes, but it's, it's a lot less um, of an artistic process for me. It's just how can I make it so that it's as straightforward and not me just tripping over my own words as possible. And that means there's a lot of work in the scripting process and in the, you know, not really like a rehearsal process, but I, you know, I, I read over my script before I go to record it so that if there's anything that jumps out of me, I just I change it in the script. So it's, you know, it's not anything, you know, fancy. It's just a process of practice. And of course, as you, as you do it, you get better at it. You can listen to my early your videos and my more recent mm. videos I put a lot more um, put a lot more enthusiasm into it you can hear there's there's more dynamism in how I you know construct my phrases and all of that but uh, all of that to say I get by <laughs> that's <laughs> about it yeah I will say just that little bit about reading it back out loud to make sure you don't stumble over it that's that's just good advice just in general um, whether you're narrating mm -hmm. or like actually reading a line sometimes you, you encounter something that is clunky and weird. And it's like, it's it's hard enough saying it clearly, let alone saying it emotionally or with like tone mm -hmm. in it. Um, and uh, sometimes, honestly, when I'm reading my script, sometimes I will like run into a line where I'm like, oh, that's a little bit awkward. And sometimes I'll just like change it um, while I'm saying it, I'll rephrase it. Uh, actually, a few people have noticed because um, we've started uploading caption files for our videos from our scripts. And I've occasionally gotten a few people being like, hey, this doesn't fully line up. What's up with that? And it's like, oh, well, that's because that's the script, but I don't always follow it 100% because sometimes it's, it sounds better if I swap out a slightly different word or if I, you know, rework this a very small amount so it sounds better or I add an entire minute and a half of unscripted ranting about zodiacal bullshit. Uh, but you see the problem there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the script... Things that look good on paper and things that sound good said out loud are often not at all the same thing. Uh, as you can yeah. tell, if you ever watch a movie based on a book that follows book dialogue and you're like, hmm, Ooh. that doesn't sound good. How strange. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, so go, sorry, go ahead. No, this is pretty much that I was just going to say. Um, I have gotten to the point where I am comfortable listening back to my voice in videos, and that's obviously a, a mm. very... Um, uh, a thing that takes time. And for a lot of people, that's basically the straw. That's like, nope, can't do it. Can't do this video business. I hate listening to yeah. my own voice. I have gotten past <laughs> that. I hate the way that I sound when I sing. And I hate the way that I sound on podcasts and in live stuff because I can't edit out my breaths. I can't edit out my vocal fry. It's just me talking and there's no safety net and that's like ah so uh, yeah yeah it, uh, it's always say, a process yeah everyone i know hates how they sound on recording when they start out like i have yes. never heard a person who's like oh yeah that's the good stuff like everyone i know when i was in middle school and we were recording our band performances i was like oh no you know that kind of nobody likes it and i've found no solution except to just get used to it, uh, essentially yeah. exposure therapy. Because if you record your own voice and you cringe into a ball, that's fine. But if you do it again and you, you start actually listening for it and you start approaching it from a directorial perspective, essentially, if you're doing a lot of independent like voice voiceover, you are essentially your own vocal director, which means you need to listen back to your own performance and be like, okay, I think that was good, but maybe you could like bring it up like 10% or something like that. So if you start looking at your own voice from a critical perspective, not like, oh, it sucks, but like, okay, this yeah. worked, this didn't, then essentially you, you end up sort of overwriting all the uh, insecurities with more practical artistic applications, which is useful. And I thought I had a pretty good handle on it. And then I recorded myself singing for the first time and I was like, ah, no. So um, it's, yeah, it's a whole was, different beast. There was a point mm. at which I thought, yeah, I can do songs in the credits too. And then mm. that didn't happen. <laughs> Ooh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, 
I, listening back, like I, I try to avoid watching older videos just because it is kind of painful for me to be like, oh, that wasn't good. Uh, but like listening back to the older songs, I was like, yeah, that was actually pretty bad. I think I've gotten better because I think that sounds bad and I think the newer stuff doesn't, but it's, who knows? But again, it, it's a matter of getting used to it. And uh, again, exposure therapy, like it, it's also totally fine if you just aren't comfortable doing that. I would say don't force yourself to do anything that makes you feel that terrible. But if you if you are trying to record your voice and especially your singing voice, you just need to get used to it and like learn to direct yourself over, through recordings. Essentially do a take, listen back to it, direct yourself, do another take that that whole kind of process. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And singing is if you're used to your speaking voice, that's one thing. If you're used your singing voice is a completely different animal. It makes sense that you're going to need to get used to that independently. Don't feel bad about it. <laughs> um, it's, oh boy, it's, it's yeah. a lot. It's a really good question. All right, and this next question comes from Gluten-Free Pumpkin Mocha. To all, any New Year's resolutions or hopes for 2021? Mm. I have never really been a fan of New Year's resolutions. Um, I've, yeah. I, I've written as much uh, in my philosophy book. Why have Ooh. I brought that up to podcasts in a row? Uh, <laughs> Blue has but a I think it's, yeah, uh, it is a system that sets you up to fail. Because a year is a long time mm. to try and plan to do something for. To shout out another wonderful channel that you already probably know about, uh, CGP Grey has a video about what he calls the theme system, which is like every season, instead of a New Year's resolution, every season pick a theme and work on something within that theme. So like, say for, you know, the spring, my theme is going to be nature. So that might mean going on more picnics outside. That might mean taking more walks. That might mean taking a jog. That might mean, um, you know, uh, working to help, you know, environmental causes and stuff. So instead of a New Year's resolution, operate on a theme. And it's, it's you know, they're, they're seasonal. It can be monthly. It can be a weekly theme. It's, it's a lot more contained of a space to work in. And I found that it's a lot nicer to you to work with than a big daunting oh here's a thing that i'm going to try to do for the entire year and then drop in february anyway and also yeah. it's it, there's not as much stigma attached to it as like oh new year new me well <laughs> you gotta gotta hit the gym buddy it's like no no it's like mm. it, it doesn't have to just Especially be you know, fitness or whatever oh, yeah. yeah uh so I, I i like the theme system for for various reasons um there's we'll link in the show notes i'll get that for you later my two cents on new year's resolutions <laughs> I, I actually didn't know about the theme system. I really like that. Um, actually, a, a friend of ours introduced me to a kind of different way to do that, where um, he's essentially taking things uh, in, I believe it's three-month blocks. So he, he does something for three months, and then he moves on to something else. Like, he uh, he, he moved, and then in three months, he might be moving somewhere else. And, he's, and I, I was just like, you know what? In the middle of all this crazy crazy stuff that's going on uh where it's difficult to know what the world is going to look like or what i'm going to be able to do i think blocking out a three-month chunk and then figuring out what i want to do in that time is a really healthy way to do it so yeah. I, I think that's a totally good idea i'll also say that part of the reason why new year's resolutions never really gelled with me is for the same reason any app with a streak counter does not oh. gel with me <laughs> yeah. because if you i mean the thing is ideally those, those are meant to build habits and stuff, but I don't think anyone can uninterruptedly do things forever, like every mm -hmm. single day. For, for instance, uh, there's, um, there's a little exercise app called Seven, which does these little seven-minute workouts. I did it a bunch when I was in college, and it has a streak, and it has like, oh, if you, uh, if you miss three days, your streak breaks. And I had a really, really long streak. And then at one point I, I broke it accidentally. Like I thought I'd passed it, but it hadn't registered and I broke the streak. And I was so bummed that I stopped using it for like three months. That's yeah. the problem. If, if, if the guilt about breaking your resolution or your streak or whatever stops you from doing the thing ever again, I, I feel like that's a fundamental design flaw, you know, like mm -hmm. there, there should never be a system where if you deviate from it slightly, just the crushing shame makes you abandon it completely. Like, especially I've, not I've something that's some trying things, to make you healthy. Yeah, I've so seen some things where if you break a streak, instead of it resetting to zero, it gets like cut in half, which is a little more forgiving. But even still, it's still mm. kind of a, a crappy system to, to work on. And I've, I've never liked anything that tries to get me to do something on, you know, in a row. Uh, yeah. that, that's part of why I'm, I'm quite social media averse in general. <laughs> I, I yeah. use Facebook to curate memes. And then uh, I, I do pretty much the same thing 
on Reddit uh, and I barely on Twitter, uh, as mm-hmm. you all know very well. Uh, <laughs> and then Instagram is just for cat pics. Um, yep, so cat pics and I, moon pics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cats, moons, and then the occasional map when I make a new one of those. Uh, yep. But yeah, uh, New Year's resolutions, I, I think, are iffy. Red, you seem to agree. Um, yep. So yeah. do a theme instead. Do a theme I'd instead. say the... the the goals for the new year, though, like that, that's a little more. Like, oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're, we're obviously going to keep going with the channel because that's been going very well. And yep. uh, that's cool. I'm, I'm going to keep going with the comic for the same reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping. And a, the problem is a lot of these are conditional on stuff entirely outside of my control. I'm hoping yep. to be able to travel this year. There's a few things I'd like to be able to go to later in the year <laughs> uh, that are kind of important. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, but you know, it's that that's really not under my control. So it, it, that's that's a hope. But mm-hmm. there's only so much I can work towards that. And, yeah. um, you know, when 2020 started, we were kind of like, oh, man, you know, it would be cool if we could, we started doing like conventions and like connecting with other YouTubers in our space. And uh, well, <laughs> I think we got in one convention before uh, everything yep. went to shit. Exactly uh, one. And it and, was fun. And that was like, Objectively, was. we should not have gone. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but it was fun. It, uh, yeah. it was a good time. So. It, it wasn't even like a very networking convention. It was like, okay, this is going to be like a test run to get us in the in the headspace of going to cons. So when we go to VidCon in June, <laughs> yeah. this will be great. Right. And uh, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But fun no, times. I, mean, I, I think for like channel goals, I think just keeping the ship sailing um a lot of channels have had you know major uh, ups and downs this year with you know disruptions to their ability to make videos but also mm. super large increase in viewership uh our goal is to keep doing what we're doing and continue to provide a space where you can you know show up every friday or whenever you choose to watch our videos and mm-hmm. learn something new and laugh and make new videos diversify our topics use the kind of yearly calendar to bop around to do cool new things like um you know videos for pride month videos for indigenous people's day videos for yep. women's history month videos for black history month you know using the calendar to to highlight um some voices and and uh what's the word for uh not exaggerate but to like amplify uh, amplify uh certain messages around the year um and just you know do what we do do new things where it makes sense like you know last year the podcast was you know a thing of like yeah like let's do that that's cool and then it turned out great so we'll we'll try to keep an eye out for for more kind of opportunities uh like that where wherever they may crop up so yeah Yeah. uh, ultimately just expect more osb Uh, never a bad thing when there's more OSP coming down the pipe. Uh, this next question comes from Chaos Acolyte. Hey, Blue, thanks to you, I've picked up fencing this year. Any tips on that ooh. subject? Which, ooh, yes, I love ooh. that. I love that. Blue and I were on the yeah. same fencing team for a, a while, so we... Um... Yeah, that, <laughs> that's actually how we met. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the fencing team. That's how most of my college friends and I met was yes. through the fencing team. Um, <laughs> classes are not an optimal space to make friends. Fencing teams, no. however are Make which is like general advice like yeah if you are in college uh, <laughs> asterisk uh join a club just one <laughs> club any club it it's so good for just your ability to like socialize and have a space that is not class pressure or like anything else it's just like here fun space club do it so uh you're in a fencing club fantastic i don't know if i have any practical advice beyond just like <laughs> try to find avenues to to do you know fun things outside of the club and make it more than just you know the mm-hmm. swords place but try to you know cultivate a friend group you know outside of that so say you have like if you're on saber squad you know you and your squad mates like do a movie night sometime safety you know or, or, yes. or take a walk somewhere outside socially distanced and, and find opportunities safety. to connect more with your teammates outside of the immediate context of practice because practice mm-hmm. is obviously great but those friendships become much more um much stronger and more meaningful when you're able to build from the foundation of the club and you know kind of extend that outwards like make your fencing group your D group and <laughs> we totally didn't life. do that uh, <laughs> so oh, no. um as far as fencing you know mm-hmm. show up to practice have fun give it your all uh but for you know beyond that become friends with your team because teams mm-hmm. are 
or good and and cool. Yeah, um, kind of just jumping off of that too. Uh, if obviously the share is a little bit of an asterisk on this, but if you know you're a competitive fencer, you're going to tournaments. Uh, the people you're competing against are also sharing this hobby with you. You can make a lot of great friends talking to people strip side. Um, I made some of my best friends in high school that way. Um, but if you want to become everyone's best friend while you're fencing, learn how to repair equipment, because if you can do that, you are in. Mm. I was the armorer on the fencing team. Blue and I were on for a while there. Um, and, you know, I learned that from the guy who was armoring before me um, and from a lot of like YouTube videos and just online forums and things. So there's a lot of great resources out there if you're looking to just like pick up another skill adjacent to the hobby. But it's also a great way to kind of endear yourself to other fencers. If maybe you don't feel super yeah. comfortable just walking up to someone and uh, starting a conversation, if they're having a problem and you can offer to help, that's a great in. And it's just a cool thing to be able to do because I can solder now and <laughs> do basic circuitry, <laughs> which is something that as a film and Chinese mm. double major wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse before that. <laughs> Everyone should know how to solder. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. If you learn one thing, learn how to <laughs> solder. It's so yeah. handy. And, uh, but. If you are learning how to solder... Never touch the soldering iron on the metal bit. It will <laughs> yes, be hot. It's hot. Yeah. Just a oh, word of warning. Anyway, yeah, enjoy fencing. It's <laughs> yeah. a perfectly socially distanced sport. If anyone gets within six feet, you fucking stab them. Hell yeah. And you're already wearing masks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh, I could talk about fencing all day. We love it. Um, the, the indigo and blue origin story. This next question comes from Snow Red. Where did you get your inspiration for the comet kaiju? And blue, will you ever summon it forth? The comet kaiju. Ah, oh, I should use that more often. Um, I basically there was a there was a window of time where I was doing trope talks on subjects that I considered somewhat spicy, uh, <laughs> and also at the time I had a fairly low tolerance for just dumb comments, which you'd think would be kind of a limiting factor when you make YouTube videos for a living. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, like, if I sit down to write a video about the strong female character archetype, you know that comment section is gonna turn into a trash fire. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, it was just annoying. You know, I was like writing it and I was getting riled up and it occurred to me like, I already know what all the dumb comments are gonna be. Like, there. If someone has a criticism that's like not the same boilerplate, like oh, girl with opinion, get out. I mean, come on, like seriously, if someone has something that's not that, I want to hear it, but I don't want to have to sift through all that hot nonsense to get there. Like I, I don't have all day, man. I'm, I'm trying to like <laughs> use my brain for other stuff than being angry at dumb shit. Uh, yeah. And then it occurred to me, I already know what the dumb shit's going to be. So why not just head them off at the pass as it were? <laughs> um, and uh, essentially, I was like, I, I don't know, I, I don't remember exactly what the what the mental connection was, but it was like, maybe because I was just kind of pissed, I was like, yeah, Kaiju really has the right kind of energy for this. Um, slap a label on one, call the other one comment section, and make it very, very clear that I'm not impressed when somebody yeah. <laughs> tries to drop that bombshell in my comments. Like, all right, lady, I see what you're spitting here, but have you considered that women actually are stupid? And it's like, oh, wow, what a brilliant, what an amazing insight you have. In fact, it's so good that I put it in my video for everyone to laugh at. Um, <laughs> and I did not expect it to work as well as it did. But my God, like the most stupid I got was people quietly grumbling that the comment kaiju made them feel stupid. And I was <laughs> like, oh, it's working just as intended. So, um, but the thing is like, since then I, I kind of haven't done that many, what I consider spicy takes. So, you know, as I cover more tropes, I will eventually go back into covering a space of like, I know the, the four or five top stupid responses this is gonna get, and sorry, I. I want to make it clear, I'm not trying to be judgmental here exactly. Uh, when I when I call a comment stupid, it's not because I think the person writing it is stupid. I think it's because the argument has been had a million times. And a lot of these aren't arguments, they're just like reflexive responses. Um, not, not to get too spicy, but it's like, basically whenever a movie comes out and there's a lady in the lead, there will be a reflexive backlash from people being like, mm. oh, it's, oh, it's pandering or something or whatever. It's not right, and it doesn't make any sense, and it's not even worth engaging with because it's not an actually thought-through opinion, it's just somebody being reflexively mad. That's the kind of thing I want to head off at the pass to clean up the conversation so that actual interesting things get talked about, you know? Like, I hope this is making sense. No, um, no I, mean, I, totally. I get you. I, yeah. I, I guess it, for, for my part of it, I haven't used the comment kaiju, mainly because I, I kind of thought it was like a trope talk thing and I didn't want to infringe. Um, <laughs> but I, I have 
put a lot of effort into trying to, through the script of the video itself, to disarm those reflexes before mm. someone would even think to make them. So yes. I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head because clearly I am not in a high functioning <laughs> mental state today. Um, <laughs> I think the technical word is tired, um, <laughs> but I, I usually try to craft the video already in such a way that those knee jerk reactions won't like have the, the, like the stimulus to prompt that response. So yeah. I try to like just remove that whole thing from the equation entirely by by how I, I construct my my videos and obviously sometimes I do it better than others I I guess I've just kind of gotten resigned to it um, <laughs> so like I do what I can to, to stop the the conversation from getting to that point in the first place and then I just assume that the comments are gonna you know be like that anyway in some regards and for the most part our comments are really nice people post yeah, memes yeah. people have like fun insightful editions some people post you know interesting uh, uh, explanations and and corrections wherever necessary uh, sometimes mm -hmm. I will post a little correction pinned to the top of the comments and then I still get about a hundred saying the same thing anyway it's like yeah. guys it was the top comment it was right there um, so <laughs> you to there's only so much you can do. Comment. Um, there's only so much you can do, but I, I guess I've never really felt like I needed to use the specific framing of comment kaiju. Um, maybe yeah. one day I will, but for me, I just haven't really had that, uh, that leaning or that, that inclination. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, um, the, the framing the video to sort of already head off those arguments. I, I totally get that. I, I try and do that too. It's just sometimes, you know, that just from the title, <laughs> someone's going to oh, be dumb about it. Yeah. Like, refs it strong female characters when i did the video about mary sue i was like oh yeah. boy I, I know what's coming here i'm trying to remember it's it's been a little while since i did a a spicy one like that but with with some tropes it's like i'm sure someone's got like a, a preconceived notion about this but with a lot of them i i already know what it's gonna look like like um oh man uh I might need to bring it back kind of soon, actually, because uh, somebody's requested a trope talk on queer coding in villains, which uh, just from the title, you can already tell th there's going to be some spice on this one. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, we'll see. you know, there's going to be the expected deluge of um, standard issue homophobia and a certain amount of more, like, spicy, nuanced, and yet still silly and rote discourse about representation in media and how it's stupid on principle because anything that is not, well, mm, representation. What a <laughs> we, spicy topic. We, we don't need to get into We don't need to get into the whole thing. I'm just saying, <laughs> future well, the, basically, yeah. basically, there's a space of subjects that just set some people off, not because yeah. they've actually thought it through, but because they have a reflex. And even if I head off some of those things, or even if I explain myself really clearly to make it clear that, for instance, we might be in agreement on some of those spicy opinions, or that I'm not saying that they are wrong, or that I'm not saying this other thing they disagree with, sometimes people think that they're on a side and you must be on the other side if you say anything that looks yeah. like it resonates with the things that they have decided are their enemy. And with those people, I know that they're not gonna listen to my stuff carefully enough to recognize that maybe we're not actually on opposite sides or maybe that's not even close to what I'm saying or whatever. Like, if somebody isn't listening to you, you can't explain yourself to them. So I thought I would make fun of them instead and uh, get them out of my comment section that way. <laughs> it's just more efficient that way. It's like, I'm not here to fight you, man. I'm here to make my content and I don't want to deal with you cluttering up my comments. So look, this is you. You are that big stupid Godzilla thingy punching the good guy robot in the face. Do you, have, do you feel like a big, big strong internet commenter now that I've acknowledged you online? Uh, it's good stuff though. It, it, it gives me a way to hit back against a space of comments that really do frustrate me sometimes because it's like, come on guys, add something new, please. Even if it's criticism, I don't mind criticism. I just don't want to be bored and angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way uh, to put yes, it. A, a fair yeah. response. Um, mm. We have one last question for the pod and then we're going to have to sign off for today, but this next one should be considerably less spicy, although I'm going to put an asterisk <laughs> next to that one. Uh, this question oh. comes from Radishing Lad for Red and Blue. What's your guilty pleasure movie or TV show? Hmm. hmm. I, <laughs> oh, I, I don't know how this? to like quantify what does and doesn't count. 
I I liked the uh, the the show Medici Masters of Florence and Medici the Magnificent. Like I don't think I'd call it like a guilty pleasure show, but like it's it's kind of trashy. Mm-hmm. It's just like my dumb historical trash that I like. Um, I think maybe Song of Achilles might fit into that category. Um, just because <laughs> it's like a guilty pleasure. It's, it's yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's I. I I've never really like understood the concept of a guilty pleasure. It's like it's, either you like something or you don't. And I what, think it's yeah. kind of like, like as um, long as it's not illegal, like it's probably fine. I like to think of it as <laughs> no. like something that you would be embarrassed to tell the people that you watch, but you definitely right. enjoy. So like for me, I I absolutely adore um, Desperate Housewives and uh, Gallivant, and those are both two shows that have been critically panned and maybe aren't necessarily the most legit. But God, they're so fun. So in short, it's not a guilty pleasure. It's a pleasure other people make you feel bad for yes <laughs> so like what the fuck that concept not to get immediately spicy again <laughs> but that concept yes. really <laughs> does annoy me it's like what's your guilty pleasure as in admit something to me that you've been hurt for before <laughs> mm, i don't know yeah. it's sh- no that's that's just that's valid i mean i i publicly watch shitty movies and talk about why there are good things in them when there are good things in them is it's like if you enjoy something, just do it. Like, just enjoy the thing. If somebody's like, oh, well, it's not exactly highbrow. It's like, I'm not watching fucking Batman Beyond because it's highbrow. I'm watching it because it fucking slaps. What are you going to do? Yeah, I I suppose, like, I'm still a fan of the Assassin's Creed franchise, so I don't really know what that says about me, but that's probably mm. the closest answer I can give. Yeah. yeah. That works. Just... Like, something that is objectively pretty trash. <laughs> A guilty pleasure where you like it in spite of the flaws that you recognize mm. in it, where you yeah. maybe feel bad because you like it in spite of those flaws, but you do see something in there that you still like. I don't know. I, I just tend to like the things I like fairly unapologetically. And when I do find myself feeling shame for something I enjoy, I beat that feeling down with a stick until it yeah. goes away because, damn it, <laughs> why would I want to feel shame about something that brings me joy? Yeah, actually, I do have a a more topical answer on the subject of Ubisoft. I've been recently playing the video game Immortals Phoenix Rising, which Ah. has been getting shit for being a Breath of the Wild clone, except (laughs) it's just set in Greek mythology. I don't give a shit if it's a Breath of the Wild clone. I like that game. I can't go to Greece. (laughs) It's a Greece place. I like that. (laughs) It's a very simple dopamine response. I like the domes and the columns and stuff. Let me have this. I think the the TLDR here is that we want you guys to... Uh, just just enjoy the media you enjoy, even if it's, you know, not necessarily um, something that yep. everyone would agree with. But for the sake of, yeah. like, maybe what's, like, a lesser watched or maybe, like, c- critically or popularly bad movie or TV show uh, read that you would say. Hmm. Critically or bad. Well, the funny thing is, like, I often seek those things out on purpose because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, they say this is stupid, but the way they described it, it sounds like this might be cool. And then I watch it and I'm like, okay, it's just badly done. I see. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm not recommending this show, but I looked it up because of that reason, like, last year. Uh, there was a cartoon that I think ran for, like, less than a season called Class of the Titans. And the premise oh, is no. that the main characters are all oh, these yeah. demigod <laughs> you kids. You told me about this. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what the, f- this sounds like it was Percy Jackson before it was Percy Jackson. Why, why, why is nobody talking about this? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, because <laughs> it's not good. You know, that happens a lot. I'll, I'll hear about something and be like, whoa, that sounds really like, that sounds more interesting than these people make it sound. And I look it up and I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Forget Class of the Titans. That's why I watched uh, Lunatics Unleashed. <laughs> and um, I really, really wanted that show to be good. I did because I was like, holy shit, it's an edgy grimdark reboot of the fucking Looney Tunes. This is, what? That sounds insane. And I watched it and it wasn't insane. It was just kind of boring. And that was the mm. worst thing that show could have been was boring. Uh-huh. Um So, you know, I have like things that I'm enthused about because there are a lot of things that people like, oh, it's trashy. It's lowbrow. Like fucking Pacific Rim is probably my favorite movie of all time. And nobody's accusing that shit of being too highbrow. But that's that's on a different level from fucking Lunatics Unleashed. Yeah, I I, I think that that, that's a good answer. I think that Mm. that gets to the point of like, what is a thing that you like, even though most people would agree, even like us would agree this is a thing that is not necessarily good mm. um i i think that that's fair because like for me i i recognize that immortals phoenix rising uh is not 
and innovation in open world design. It copies <laughs> most things from Breath of the Wild or Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I don't care. I like it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't honest- need to be innovative. It's fun, and I enjoy it. <laughs> Honestly, when that when that game was first uh, announced, and I saw the trailer and some of the gameplay, I was like, "Oh, I mean, that's just that is just Breath of the Wild, isn't it?" But then I was like, "But I like Breath of the Wild." So, yeah. am I really going to complain about more Breath of the Wild? Exactly. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, if it's good, we might get future games with different mythologies. I want that. Yes. Yeah, that would be so, pretty cool. You know, yeah, so. like or what you like. Expansion packs with the rest of the gods. Watch, play, listen to, whatever, you know, if it makes you happy, who cares what other people say about it? Um, but And yeah. also, don't yeah. be that guy who, like, asks people what they like and then purposefully makes them feel bad for their answer. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't be that guy. Um, don't be that guy. And with that message, we come to time today. Uh, that is all the time we have for the podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. If Red, if you want to take us out. Heck yeah. Uh, <clears throat> thank you all so much for listening. And if you want more <laughs> of that sweet, sweet OSP content, go check out our channel on YouTube. If you want to ask a question for the next pod, follow the link in the description to the Ask OS Pod channel on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured on air. Until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back January 20th with an episode almost guaranteed to be spicy, but you can find more OSP hot takes on YouTube. If you enjoyed the pod, please rate us five stars and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you've got a question for the show, jump on over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured on air. As always, links to all the housekeeping can be found in the show notes, and I hope to catch you on the next episode.